You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a Bible Doctrine series by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from His Word today. We've been in this series for some time now. The eight disciplines that will produce a godly life. We've been called unto holiness that Christ may be seen in our lives. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through verse 14, for the grace of God. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and what? godly in this present world. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this evening, I ask you to use your word to speak very specifically into our hearts and minds tonight about this whole issue of bitterness and forgiveness. Lord, you've allowed us to pause that sila, to pause and to think about what has been said in your word about this important issue that affects every one of our lives. There's not a person under the hearing of my voice tonight that has not struggled with forgiving others, that has not dealt with bitterness. And so, Lord, we pray you would teach us the principles tonight that would set us free from that terrible prison that we often find ourselves in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, this is actually the third lesson that we brought on the subject of forgiveness and bitterness. And so we're going to do a review here of where we've been so far in our series on the eight disciplines. We're actually on number seven right now, and then, Lord willing, next week we'll finish with number eight. But we talked about living a godly life, that we have been called to pursue holiness that we are to live sanctified. We're to live a life that's separated from this world. One of the things that concerns me so much, I know I preach on it all the time, and you probably get sick of hearing it, is that we as a church have adapted to this world. And that is not what God has called us to do. It so, so grieves me. And I have to think that one of the reasons why up is down and down is now up in our world Maybe the church isn't the salt and light that God has called us to be. Maybe we have just conformed to this world when we should be living a sanctified life. We saw that we're to be yielded to the Lord in every area, in every aspect of our lives. And right down there at the very bottom, yield the members of your body as servants to righteousness unto what? Holiness. That This needs to be the pursuit of of our lives as, as believers. Now, let me tell you, I know, I know the world will give you a hard time. In your pursuit of holiness, in your desire to live a sanctified life, the world's not going to like that. But we should have mutual support within the church. We all should be supporting and encouraging and discipling each other's to be more like Christ, that Christ may be seen, that, like that song that they just sang. 
Is it possible to live soberly, righteously, and godly? Many would say no, but no, it is. It is possible if we develop these disciplines. So the first one was the discipline of what? Hello, it's right there. Just read it. Prayer. To develop the discipline of prayer in our lives. Next, a life lived by? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. A life lived in? Meditation upon God's word. A life lived in what? Obedience, just walking in obedience to the Lord. A life lived under the filling of the Holy Spirit. We saw then a life lived in giving to God and giving to others. That is a discipline. And now we've paused here. This will be the third lesson now on a life lived in forgiveness. How many of you here have ever had someone really offend them? It's been difficult to forgive. (laughs) I know everyone. Okay, We struggle with this. Forgiveness is never easy. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to preach it. But it's a whole other thing to apply the principles uh, because Satan wants to keep you locked up in that prison of a bitter spirit. But the Bible said, be kind. Why don't you read it with me? Be kind one to another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. What did he forgive us of? Everything. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye that unconditional forgiveness. Father, forgive them. We looked at the biblical definition of bitterness. It's like poison, wormwood, and gall. We're not going to spend time looking at that again. But get this down. Bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the offender to die. You're the one that's really affected by developing a bitter spirit. Bitterness is simply not seeing suffering from God's perspective. Does God have a purpose for allowing suffering to come into our lives? Yes, he does. If we don't see his purpose and why the Lord allowed this to happen then we will become bitter. But the Bible said, But the God of all grace, who hath called you unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have, what's the word? Suffered a while. Seasons of suffering. After you've suffered a while, he'll make you perfect. This is what God is up to. He'll make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Matthew chapter 18 is a passage that I have referred to, but I haven't taken time to read it, but it talks about how if you do not forgive that 70 times 7 passage, again, I've mentioned it, but we haven't read that passage in this series. Uh, it should be familiar to you, however, because I have referred to it before in my preaching. But it talks about how we will be locked up in a prison of a bitter spirit. So I just want to take time to read this through. Of course, we know this was uh, the teaching of Jesus prompted by Peter. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Did Peter think he was being generous? <laughs> he sure did. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee seven times, but unto seventy times seven. That's how many? 490. Good. Thank you, Mr. Mathematician. That's 490 times. So is Jesus giving permission to keep a ledger in your pocket and say, that's one, that's two, and when you get to 470, now I can be bitter? Now, what is Jesus teaching here? He's just, by the way, if you've forgiven them 470 times, probably 471 is not going to be too difficult either, right? You develop that pattern of forgiveness. Until 70 times 7, therefore, is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king. Sunday I'm going to talk about there's a war going on in the kingdoms of this world. Okay? Satan has a kingdom. 
God has a kingdom. The Bible talks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom on earth, and the kingdom that is in our hearts. And let me tell you, there is a warfare going on today. We're going to talk about the kingdoms. Um, Therefore, is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. We know we're going to give an account when we stand before the Lord. And when he had begun to reckon, one brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. I'm not sure exactly how much that is, but sounds like a lot of money, right? Before as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and his children, and all that he had in payment be made. He's demanding payment of the debt. The servant, therefore, fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord... Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him, and what? Forgave Forgave him the debt. Now watch this. But the same servant, the same one who has just been forgiven, given a huge debt, but that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. Just a little bit of money. And he laid hold on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down on his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he had paid the debt. I always had the question, how in the world was he going to pay the debt when he's in prison? So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me? Should not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors that he should pay all that was due unto him. Now here's, here's, this is a statement. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. What is the principle of this story? Talk to me here tonight. What, Deb? Okay, there'll be a torment, actually. So you're going to be sent to prison and be tormented just like that man that you sent to prison. Okay? Somebody else. What? You're going to be in bondage. Bondage to what? Bondage to that bitterness that you're holding against that individual. Was this right for this man to be forgiven of that huge debt and then be unwilling to forgive someone of just a little bit? Let's say, let's say that debt equaled a million dollars that he was forgiven and he wouldn't forgive his fellow servant of 20 bucks. That's just, how many would say that's not right? Come on, would you agree? Let me see your hand. You say, that is just not right. Okay. But isn't that exactly what we do? when we've been forgiven the huge sin debt that we owed and Christ paid for it and yet we hold a debt against someone else? It's just not right. Forgive as we have been forgiven. Otherwise, we're the ones that are going to have to suffer the torment 
for that. And by the way, it does put you in torment when you're bitter, doesn't it? You just roll that all over in your mind and uh, Terry and I were talking before church and sometimes you feel like, okay, I've forgiven that person. It could even be a couple years later that thought comes to your mind and you, you have to go through the process again. Forgiveness really is the key to freedom. I don't think any of us want to be locked up, right? But you know, it really is our choice whether or not we're going to take that key and unlock the cell door and be free. So let's look at some of the steps to bitterness. Some of them we've already covered. First of all, don't play, play the blame game. I think we've all been guilty of doing that. Well, I want to if you want to. No, we need to take full responsibility. That's hard for people to do. It's easy to shovel that responsibility off. But we have to take full responsibility. We, listen, if we're going to be free from bitterness, we have to come to a place of repentance. You, you will never repent of your sin until you own it. Take responsibility for it. We talked about how we need to repent of temporal values. Like, I have my rights. Listen, why do we get bitter? Listen, because we feel our rights have been violated. We put a whole list of rights up there. And when those rights are violated, then we have the tendency, or we're tempted to, become very bitter over that, especially when they're violated over and over again. We saw that bitterness is a result of refusing to yield our rights. We put that collage of pictures up there. I think we can all identify with that. Bitterness is often a result of covetousness. You just you, you covet it. And when, it, when it's lost or it's taken away or someone abuses it, then we get very bitter. Thou shalt not covet. Covetousness is identified in Scripture as what? Idolatry. It's as the sin of idolatry. You're, you're worshiping a thing. And by the way, everything can be taken away from us in a moment. We brought nothing into this world. It certainly can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. By the way, content people are not bitter people. It's people who are discontent that are bitter. Why? Because they're struggling with the sin of covetousness. Bitterness is conquered as we look to the Lord for our reward. If you're looking to people to find your acceptance... Let me tell you something. You're going to be very disappointed. If we seek to please men, we will not be the servant of Christ. But there are some people who just, they long for acceptance. They long for approval. This is one of the reasons we see so much stumbling among our teenagers. Because they just, they want the acceptance and the approval of the, their peers. I'm so glad. I don't know what it was, but when I grew up, that was never really that important to me. And when that's not important to you, here's what happens. Instead of becoming a follower, you become a leader and other people follow you. You young people can have a really positive influence on others if you'll say, listen, what I care about is pleasing the Lord. That's what I'm going to worry about. I'm not going to worry about pleasing people or being accepted or being popular. I'm just going to focus on pleasing the Lord. 
You've got to look to the Lord for your reward. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord you should receive the world and the inheritance, for we serve the Lord Christ. You need to also view those temporal values, as the loss of those as spiritual gain. Remember, Paul said, whatsoever things were gained to me, those I counted what? Loss for Christ. Count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Listen, when we suffer the loss of things, what that does is it drives us into a deeper relationship with the Lord Jesus. So don't let the loss of things cause you to become bitter in life. We also saw that bitterness is a result of, of just pride. We think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, don't we? We all have a spirit of pride. And I always say it runs very deeply, the pride of life in each one of our lives. But we need to repent of that pride that causes us to become so bitter. We talked about attention. You, you crave attention or position or authority or identity or appreciation, the pride of life. Then thank God for allowing the offense to come into your life. Thank God not for the offense. The offense could be very hurtful, but for his purposes in allowing the offense to come into our lives. In everything, what? In everything, give thanks. Not for everything, but in everything, give thanks. I could never give thanks for the death of my wife, but I could give thanks in what God would do in my life through her death. Not that I'm prophesying her death here tonight, okay? <laughs> God is not responsible for the wrongdoing of those who hurt us. God gets blamed for a lot of things he's not responsible for, and so be careful, you don't get bitter toward God. But God has promised that he will use those offenses and those hurts to bring great benefit into our lives if we will respond to them by the grace of God. I think all of you can look back over your life of hurts that have gone on and then if you've yielded to the Lord and you've accepted those and you looked for God's good purposes, you saw how God blessed you through those. What causes ungratefulness and bitterness? We become ungrateful if we assume that God owes us something. God will be a debtor to no man. He owes us nothing. We owe him everything. He owes us nothing. There is a prevailing attitude, however, and even within Christ's church, that God owes us a happy and prosperous life. That's the whole emphasis behind the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel movement and the huge megachurches that we have today. They're catering to this. If something happens to hinder that or to cut a person's life short, then God, again, he gets the blame. Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Shall the clay say to him that fashioned it, What makest thou? Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed us say to him that formed it, God, why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay, the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? You say, what is the Bible teaching there? Listen, God's in control of your life. It's okay. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. This is why God has allowed this to come into your life. Respond to it by the grace of God and see what God will do through it. Don't shake your fist at God. Don't become bitter with God. Don't become angry with God. So many have. They're out of church. They're not walking with the Lord. And listen, their life just goes downhill. 
That was the attitude of Job's wife. Curse God and what? Who is she bitter toward? She was bitter toward God. Job's attitude was totally different. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not, did, this did not Job sin with his lips. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job refused to get what? Bitter. Did he have a lot of reasons to get bitter? He had a lot more reasons than we do. But he absolutely refused. Now, as he responded to all this by the grace of God, did God bless him in the end? Mm -hmm. Certainly did. If God gave us what we deserve, none of us would be alive. We'd all be lost and on our way to hell. I deserve better or better than I deserve. Two ways of looking at life, right? It's because the Lord's what? Mercies that we are not consumed. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We become ungrateful. Behind this, this bitterness, this ungratefulness causes bitterness. We become ungrateful because we focus on what we think we should have received rather than what we have received. And my, if all we have received is a gift of eternal life, we've, re, we've been blessed, Right? We have been blessed. But we've all received a lot more than that. To overcome bitterness, you must view your offender as God's agent of perfection. God is using that person that you're so angry with and upset with. God is using that person to perfect you. How many of you need perfection? So guess what? God's going to bring some agents into your life to perfect you. It may be your husband, it may be your wife, it may be your children, it may be your parents, it may be your pastor. So don't get bitter at him. Right? It could be a good friend. It could be someone at work. Humble yourself therefore in the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he what? Careth for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Boy, can you apply that to bitterness? Don't listen to him. Get thee behind me. Whom resists steadfast, I am not going to become bitter. Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that these same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And every one of you raised your hand and said, there's times you really struggle with bitterness. We all have. But the God of all grace, here it comes. Respond to it by the grace of God. And then at the end, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Job's response. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. What? Blessed, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Joseph, when he finally was united with his brothers after over 13 years, remember what Joseph said? You intended evil against me, but God meant it for what? Now, Joseph could have stayed locked up in a prison of a bitter spirit, right? And never would accomplish what God had him to accomplish in the saving of many. But God meant it for good. David's response to, to uh, this uh, fellow by the name of Shimei. 
Remember, David was walking with his men. Shimei comes out, starts throwing rocks at the king. Now, now what do you think would happen if you started throwing rocks at the president? With 25,000 troops in Washington? You'd probably be in a world of hurt. So he's, he's throwing rocks and he's cursing David. He was of the house of Saul. And he's cursing David. And um, what was the guy's name? Abishai says, I'll take care of him. And how, what would you have done if you were the king? Take care of him. Right? Isn't that what most of us would have done? Take care of him, Abishai. But what did David say? Let him alone. I'll tell you what, that's a humble man. Let him alone. And let him curse. For the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look upon my affliction and that the Lord will requit me good for his cursing this day. Think of that. When folks curse you, a word to curse back. When he was reviled, he what? Reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. And we can, listen, we can count on this. If we will respond that way, God will reward us. God will reward us. Stephen, when he was being stoned, he kneeled down, cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. The same response that the Lord Jesus had when crucified on the cross. The result of viewing your offender as God's agent of perfection. Okay, we all, we all admitted we need more perfection. Someone tell me an area of their life you need perfection in. I'll, I'll tell you, I need to be more patient, right? Somebody else? Worry. worry. You worry a lot, okay? Need to be perfected in that area. Someone else? Oh, the rest of you have reached, okay? Well, okay, area of pride. Someone else? Where do you need perfection? Okay, I'm going to ask your wife or your husband where you need perfection. I'll get a few more responses here. Faith. You need more faith. We all need more faith, don't we? A couple more. Forgiveness. What we're dealing with, right? To be forbearing. Yeah. Guess what? God will bring situations and circumstance and people into your life to produce that very thing. You need more faith? Watch out. Number one, you will see your offender as an instrument for good and not evil, so you won't be bitter. God's, God's using them. God's going to bring something good out of this. You'll remove the possibility of being bitter towards your offender. You'll be able to demonstrate the love of Christ to your offender. How could we ever demonstrate the love of Christ to our offender when we're bitter at them? Years ago, we were invited to go to our first Bill Gothard Institute and Basic Youth Conflicts Seminar. And Bill was dealing with this whole area of forgiveness. How many have ever been to a seminar? Okay. How many remember seeing this? Finally found it online. It was hard to find it. So I need to find that. The diamond, what does the diamond represent? That's us. 
Okay? We're all diamonds in the rough. Some of us are more rough than others. Okay? The chisel. What does the chisel represent? This, okay, the person that God is using to chip off those areas to make us more beautiful. Who holds the hammer? God does. And he knows exactly where to chip away. So God takes a hammer. He uses the individual or circumstance or situation to chip away at us. And if we will respond right, we'll be more beautiful and bring more glory to God. Just like a diamond reflects glory from every single angle. Listen, that's what God is doing in your life. So don't be so angry and upset about where you find yourself in in life or that person that God is using. By the way, if you allow yourself to be perfected in that area, then God will not have to chip away at that area anymore. So sometimes we just prolong this perfection by not responding in the way that we should. But then let me encourage you, he'll chip away at another area. He's always going to be chipping away until he takes us home to glory. So see suffering from God's perspective. Listen, this, right here, this is really going to help you overcome bitterness. See suffering from God's perspective. Repent of the temporal value system that you have. Yield your rights. Thank God for the offense because of what God is doing in that. And then view your offender as God's agent of perfection. Now, <clears throat> overcome bitterness, and we've talked about it, through unconditional forgiveness. Forgiveness evolves your attitude. Your attitude. Bitterness is an attitude. Forgiveness involves your attitude towards your offender. You are no longer bitter toward him, wishing him any harm. How many have actually wished their offender harm? Come on, be honest. God get them. You read the Psalms. Did David wish his offenders harm? Yes, he did. Why? Because he was a man subject to like passions just as we are. So I think we'd all be dishonest to say, well, that person who offended me, I, never, I just really wanted God to bless him. Listen, we need to let go. We need to let go, let it go, and we need to move forward in our Christian life. Brother, and I caught not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, what? Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to the things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a phrase that I say a lot, and I know some, some people have said to me that I don't really say it in a good way, but get over it. I don't know how to say it in a good way. Listen, today is the day to get over it. Don't you think so? That bitterness that you're holding, that prison that you find yourself in, don't you think that today would be a good day just to get out of prison and get over it? I do too. So let's try to discern where we're at in this whole area of bitterness. Is there any unforgiveness in your heart? Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I want you to think right now. Is there any, the Holy Spirit will bring that up. 
Is there any unforgiveness right now in my heart towards anyone? And, and the fact is, what good is, it, what good is it for us to go through all of this teaching and then not apply it? What a waste of time. So discern. Uh, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. and Lead me in the way everlasting. If you have truly forgiven every person who has sinned against you, then you are able to experience the great freedom, freedom, joy, peace, blessing that results from being forgiven. Forgive as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Forgive us our debts as we, what? Forgive our debtors. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Read the last phrase with me here. Ready? Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Do you want God to forgive you in the same way you forgive others? Selah. Stop and think about it. It is possible, I believe, to live with an unforgiving spirit so long that you become blind to its presence in your life. Remember, we have a tendency to say, I've been hurt, I've been offended, I've been wounded. We have a hard time admitting that we're bitter. Looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of what? Bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So the truth is here, can you keep that bitterness to yourself? No. No, it's going to rub off on others. You know, we're living in this uh, social distancing where people are afraid that, you know, if they get too close to you, they're going to get the virus. I want to tell you this, if you're bitter and you get close to another person that's bitter, be careful, you'll get the virus. Just like the Bible said, don't make friends with an angry man lest you learn his ways and it becomes a snare to your soul. I'm telling you, bitterness has a way of just rubbing off on the people that you're around. Defiles many. Listen, bitterness has, has destroyed the work of God. Jim, you know churches, I know churches, they've been destroyed because of bitterness. Families are destroyed. Stop it. Why do most people get divorced? <coughs> Hello? You want to be rocket scientists? Because they're bitter. They've developed bitterness and there's just an unforgiving spirit there. They can't get over it and let's move on. It's, it's horrible. What was it? Poison? Wormwood? Gall? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great tonight to get over it? I had that sadness turn into joy. I'll tell you, the greatest joy I had in my life is when I received Christ as my Savior. When I was forgiven. The greatest joy that you will have in life, besides salvation, is when you get rid of that bitterness. And it's gone. And you're forgiven. 
Just think, how, how many Christians are living with the bitter spirit? People say, how can I forgive when it hurts so much? It's a good question. You can't, but Christ can through you. See, here's the Christian. It's not us conquering sin. It's Christ conquering us. It's us yielding to the Lord and letting the Lord do the work. I can do all things through who? Would that include forgiving your offenders? I could do all things through Christ. We've already looked at that verse. But let no corrupt communication proceed in mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit uh, of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all, what heads the list? Bitterness. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, wanting to get back. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Bitterness, number one on the list. Now, we're getting to the end here of this three-week series now. As you reflect on the ways that you have been offended, do you find any of these statements to be true? Okay? Are you all ready? Do you find any of these statements to be true? Every time I think of that person or the offense, I feel angry. Do you find that to be true? I have a subtle desire to see the person pay for what he, she, or they have done to me. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Deep in my heart, and you may not tell anyone this, but deep in my heart, I wouldn't mind if something bad happened to that person who hurt me so deeply. Now, if any of those statements you find to be true in your life, what is that an indication of? What? I'm bitter. Listen to these verses as we wind things up. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. That was David and Shimei. And pray for them which despitefully use you. How many of you like to be used? That is a bad feeling. But love your enemies. He, listen, God tells us how to handle that. If you find any of these statements to be true. But love your enemies. Read it with me. Ready? And do do good. And lend, hoping for nothing again. Now, now, when you lend, hoping for nothing to get back, what are you really doing? And your reward shall be great. And you should be called the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. 
So what, what is the key to forgiveness found in the teachings of Christ? What, what are they? What are they? Love. What? Love your enemies. What's next? How can I do good to them? They may be doing evil, but that's the heaping of coals of fire on their head. What can I do to be good to them? Uh, lend. Give to them. Even if they never repay you, give to them. We're gonna, we're, we'll get to a slide here in just a minute, but the Bible says this, where your treasure is, loving, doing good, lending, where your treasure is, there where you're what? You see, if I'm, if I'm angry and bitter and upset with Jim over something that he's done, and I use him for example because he would never, he's always good to me. But if he wasn't, and I felt that Jim has taken advantage of me, what am I to do? I'm to love him. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm to love him. I'm to do what? I'm to do good to him. I am to what? I'm to lend to him. For where my treasure is, there will my what? This is what Jesus said was going the extra mile. How many know the story behind the extra mile? How many don't know the story behind the extra mile? Okay, just a couple. Under Roman law, a Jewish boy, if, he, if I was a Roman soldier um, and I was carrying my armor, I could go up to a Jewish boy and I could command him to carry my armor for one mile. I don't know how they measured that out. Probably through steps, but maybe they had Fitbits and they knew. how. <laughs> but if that, now in that first mile, that little Jewish boy, he's got an attitude. Right? Because he was forced to carry that armor. You have two people who are enemies. But what if that little Jewish boy turned around to that soldier and said, Sir, do you mind if I carried your armor another mile? That's powerful. In the first mile, they're enemies. In the second mile, what have they become? They become friends. Paul, recompense to no man evil for evil. That's our tendency. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. That always is not possible. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I'll repay, saith the Lord. Let the Lord take care of that. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, what? Now I've got to cook him a meal. I've already showed love to him. I've already done good to him. I've already lent some money to him. Now I've got to feed him. If thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him what? Drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Now think of that last phrase. Overcome their evil with your what? With your good. I remember when I was young and I saw that heaping coals of fire on their head, I thought, yes. 
And then my dad had to explain to me what that meant and that that was a good thing to pass your burning coals on to someone else. Another teaching of Jesus, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespasses against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee saying, I repent, thou shalt what? Got the same principle, don't we? Of the 70 times 7. Just, just keep on forgiving. Don't, don't become bitter. So we have God's way, which is the way of what? We have man's way, which is the way of bitterness. You know, the Bible said there's a road of life, there's a road of death. There's a road of blessing, there's a road of cursing. Most people will go down the road of bitterness, right? And there may be some of you here tonight that you're, you say, I'm not, I am so entrenched in this bitterness, I cannot, I will not forgive. Well, you know what's going to happen now, right? You will be tormented. The steps necessary in order to deal with hurts that have come from your offender, make a list of people who have wronged you and that who you are bitter toward. Let's make that list. Some of you can make it right now in your mind. Ask God to forgive you for your wrong attitude and your response to their wrongdoing. They did wrong, but I was wrong in the way that I responded. Are you all getting this? The next one, thank God for each person who has wounded you. Lord, thank you for bringing that person to my life and what you're teaching me through that person. Then throw away the list. Amen? Then <laughs> throw away the list. If your offender knows that you've been bitter toward them, and they usually do, it's pretty easy to discern if someone's bitter, then you need to go to them and make it right. We need to ask Christ to forgive us for not forgiving. And then we need to, again, confirm our love towards that person. Listen, if we do that, guess what will happen to the bitterness? It's going bye-bye. For where your treasure is, say it with me, there will your heart be also. I hope we've all learned a lot in this series, this three-week series now that we've been on in forgiveness, and that the next time someone offends us, we'll know exactly what to do. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.